From Christ's fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. In the church's calendar, today marks the anniversary of the death of Martin Luther. 463 years ago today, on a journey far from home, and coincidentally in the same town in which he had been born and baptized 63 years before, Luther died of heart failure, his body worn out by work and age and stress and chronic illness. At his death, Luther was surrounded by friends and admirers who wanted to be present at the passing of a great man. Some of them were there out of love, others more to help attest to the world that at the moment of death, the devil did not appear to take Luther straight to hell. That might seem silly to us moderns, but within days of Luther's passing, claims were indeed being published and circulated by his Roman opponents that he had died in torment and regret for his damage to the traditional church. It's easy for us at almost 500 years removed to forget that in Luther's own time, he was probably Europe's most hated man as well as one of its most loved. A person blamed for having unleashed a storm of change in church and social life that left no one unaffected. Even in areas where distance and isolation meant his words were never heard or read and his name was hardly known. And his opponents were almost as changed by Luther as his followers were some of them in that his witness gave them the courage to press for reforms of their own, others in that his notoriety gave them the justification for greater censorship and repression and fear-mongering. Martin Luther never expected to die in a bed or as an old man, which by the standards of the time he was at 63, with over 20 years of marriage and several children behind him. He was a rebel monk, something that shouldn't have been, and someone who had been condemned in every way his world knew how to condemn someone. The Pope had declared him outside the Christian fold, excluded from the heavenly reward of faithful followers of Christ, the emperor, the highest worldly authority anyone could conceive of, had declared Luther's life forfeit and had put a price on his head, and all that before the age of 40. It's no wonder that he told those who urged him to follow his own convictions and get married that he would just be creating a widow if he did. But history and a strong-willed former nun named Catherine had something else in mind for Luther. And so he died not as an outlaw, but as a father and a husband, and as a prophet, and as a patriarch for a new church. When I hear the words from Jeremiah that Dr. Celine read for us this morning, they always make me think of Luther. For Jeremiah's modesty and his anxiety about the call he had received from God to speak to the nations, to kings and peoples, must have been anxiety that Luther shared. And in fact, that 
Everyone who blazes any new trail over bitter opposition must share. You simply can't challenge powerful old beliefs or deeply ingrained injustices without rousing the spirits they conceal, the fear and anger and guilt they cover up. In every age, those people who have had the courage to call the majority wrong have learned that the world doesn't change willingly. Luther understood this unwillingness to change as the devil's work in daily life, strengthening people's pride in their error and reinforcing their stubbornness in refusing to think beyond their own standpoint. We don't have to call it Satan today to recognize that this evil is with us still. Everywhere in the world that thinking for oneself is thought to be dangerous, everywhere education is seen as a threat to untouchable holy truths. And there will always be a cost to this kind of courage. If the cause is great, it could be one's life. Luther knew that in his day, the path he had set out upon might well lead to the stake or to the assassin's knife. And in our own day, these knives are still keen and the bullet or the car bomb can silence the troublesome, the ones who speak out and shake up those in our world who are most afraid of change. This can happen even in our own country and has happened even in my lifetime. Martin Luther King was not Martin Luther's namesake for nothing. Both men knew that they were putting their lives on the line to do what they were called to do. But I am only a boy, the prophet Jeremiah exclaims. God will hear nothing of this and promises to be with him and touches his mouth and puts words into him, words for the nations and for the kingdoms, words to overthrow and words to build up again. Luther, too, had great moments of fear and anxiety, uncertainty about what he'd set in motion. The question must have, that must have rung in his ears on his sleepless nights, so how is it you alone are right? This question is not one that just allows itself to be dismissed. Doubt like that just hides outside like the winter cold, ready to slip back in through any unguarded crack. But Luther, too, had words from God, words with which he could preach and sing and debate about a God he knew loved him and who loved not only him but all other sinners as well. A God whose grace, Luther's favorite word, whose grace was full and abundant and ever-present. Grace was the word, the good old word that God put into Luther's mouth and that we can still today hear him say, grace, the favor of God, by which God shows us that God loves us and means well for us. However hard we may find that to understand or accept, 
given to us freely, however much more we value that which we have had to earn. We've already heard and we'll hear yet more about grace in this place and in this season. We have emblazoned it on a mighty banner and hung grace from the rafters here as a challenge and a boast. And that's how I think Luther saw it too, as a challenge and a boast, a reproach to hard-heartedness and hate, a rock to cling to in anxiety, a joy to announce to the despairing, and a boast to shame the mighty. For grace is not something we make for ourselves or earn by behaving or inherit from our ancestors, but something that we are given freely, by definition a gift, a gift that empowers us in turn to give, a favor shown toward us that urges us to look upon each other with favor, a love that will not let us go. In Luther's case, grace was the gift above all gifts, the gift that kept on giving, grace upon grace, as it helped him through his anxieties and gave him hope, in his despairing gave him courage, and each day renewed his faith in God's care for him and for the whole conflicted and divided and anxious humankind that inhabited his world. May it do no less for us today. Amen.